Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Pretty good. Good to see you. Welcome to 7th Street Christian Church. It is good to see um, some smiling faces that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, we're glad that you're here. Um, a few announcements. Um, we did not, actually we did have a quorum, but we didn't know we had a voting quorum last week for our congregational meeting. Um, we've now learned we only need 25 uh, members, so we are hoping to do a congregational vote um, for the budget as well as 2020 leadership. So we are asking if you can please stay, if you are a, a formal voting member of this congregation, please stay. We need 25 people, so it looks like we have it right now. Please stay, or we're not going to have a budget or any leadership next year. And that personally makes me a little nervous. All right, enough about that. Um, we do have our Christmas party this evening. It is at 5.30. Um, it starts around 5.30. If you have kids that are coming, um, or if you just want your own photo op with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, they will be in the parlor. And so you are welcome to, to be present and to do that. We'll uh, gather at 6 o'clock down in the fellowship hall to start eating, and then Pastor Jamie has some awesome fun activities. I don't know if, if you were here last year, we did some in-it-to-win-it kind of games. Um, it was a lot of fun, so uh, feel free to come back in the same spirit of um, that Christmas party. We need help setting up downstairs in Hanover Hall, so if any of you are able to stay, um, after the congregational vote, or maybe you're not a formal member, but attend here and would like to go downstairs and help set up tables in Hanover Hall, you are empowered to do that. So, um, and a reminder from outreach, if you took a tag off of the giving tree out in the narthex for Carver Elementary for um, gift giving, those gifts need to be here today. So, you have an opportunity to come back. Um, yes, but that doesn't, you don't need to. Thank you so much. That was such a quick response. And the tags it, are they were gone. Thank you, Liz. Um, you are very kind. Um, this is a wandering Sunday, so I invite uh, kids of all ages to come forward if they would like uh, to help us sing our gathering song, and I invite us to stand, grab an instrument. We're singing an a, a old favorite. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You guys know that one. So go ahead, stand on up if you would like, as you are able. And we're going to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in 
getting all the, all the noise out of that, Jensen. <laughs> oh. Journey seeking hope. You, O oh Lord, we have come on this journey seeking peace. We have come on this journey seeking joy. But along our journey, we also feel fear. And along our journey, we also feel chaos. And along our journey, we feel sadness. On this third Sunday of Advent, we relight the candle of hope, recognizing that the story we live and proclaim is one of hope. We relight the candle of peace, knowing that the advent of our God is here ushering in peace that surpasses all understanding. And we light the candle of joy that God comes to us through the birth of Christ, the joy and gratitude that God meets us just where we are on this journey. Please join in singing the opening hymn on page 122.
Advent calls us to wake up and rejoice in the hope that is ours. We commit to living in the light in this new day, and we pray when the heaviness of clinging to stuff and bad habits too comfortable to shed keeps us half asleep and unable to wake up and follow Jesus. Lord, have mercy. When the bitterness of hanging on to unhealthy relationships, jealousies, or hurt keep our community unable to recognize the new thing God is doing in our midst, Christ, have mercy. When a history of injustice and violence unaddressed in community lead to societal structures that hinder fullness of life for all, Lord, have mercy. The night is far gone, day is on the horizon. In Christ, we are forgiven and given strength to face a new day, rejoicing and to participate fully awake in working for the kingdom of God. Let us celebrate this great joy by passing the peace in community. So at peace with Christ, let us now offer the peace of Christ to one another. Please be seated. Okay. Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. 
the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble needs. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is our God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunts of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord. Scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, sorry, chapter 11, verses 2 through, through 11. When John the Baptist heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples to say to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And as they went away, John, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, 
Those who wear soft robes are in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your, your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The word of the Lord. One week you're preaching and baptizing in the desert. The next week you're sitting in a prison cell. What a difference a week makes especially when it comes in the lectionary. Last week, people were flocking to John the Baptist to hear him preach and be baptized. The desert Elijah was at the top of his game, confidently preaching and proclaiming that the kingdom of God was near. He was quoting Isaiah about the scriptures being fulfilled. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. But now, several chapters later, John the Baptist is in prison because he was stupid courageous and spoke a word of truth to the king, reprimanding him for divorcing his wife and unlawfully taking the wife of his brother. So now he sits in a dark, dank cell, wondering what will happen next. One week, you're preaching and baptizing in the desert, and the next week, you're sitting in a prison cell. Sometimes life can throw you a curveball. You, you have a plan about how things are going to play out, and a curveball is that thing that awakens that, and that often derails us from our tried and true plan, from point A to point B. Oh, you think you're going to get married and start a family. And then you realize you can't have kids. You have a plan to leave at 10 a.m. for your doctor's appointment, only to have your car break down on the way there. It's just a little rain. Then a tree falls on your house. It's just going to be a little kitchen update. But after three months, your home renovation still isn't done. 
you learn it's twins. Your child dies. Your husband dies. You hear it's cancer, or renal failure, or Parkinson's. You hear we don't know what's causing your pain. You hear a call and end up in seminary. You learn your spouse is having an affair with your best friend. <laughs> you learn that your spouse just ran off with the secretary. <laughs> a curveball is unsettling. It can shatter our expectations. It causes feelings to emerge. Fear, exhaustion, worry, stress, sadness. The feelings beget frustrations and doubts. One week you're preaching and baptizing in the desert, and the next week you're sitting in a prison cell. Can we imagine John the Baptist sitting in that cell? Likely knowing his fate? Will it be the cold conditions? Or maybe the lack of food? Or the isolation? Maybe it'll be the flu that gets him. John is in a time of in-between, of God's promises made and promises kept. And he whispers a simple, desperate prayer. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. And John sends word to Jesus. John sends a question to Jesus that we all want to ask from time to time. And particularly after a curveball. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? The Messiah? Or are we to wait for another? Are you the one that's going to get us out of this mess? And particularly me, because I am in prison and things aren't looking so good. There's a family story in my family that, as far as family stories go, is truer than true. It was a summer day, and my dad was building a storage shed in our backyard. My dad is a builder by trade, and so this is no ordinary shed. Okay, it's a pool house. And my mom started getting calls from the neighbor with concerns about her husband. It looked like things weren't going so well, and maybe she should check on him. And my mom looks out the window and sees my dad standing on the roof of this pool house, 
fists in the air, screaming and cursing towards the sky. I can't actually share what he was screaming to God. When times are bad or sad or hard or scary, our doubts creep in. When we find ourselves in prison or imprisoned by life choices or disease or finances or depression, by embedded, ingrained systems in our society, in order to make sense of our curveball, to survive, to rationalize, to understand, to seek answers, we, like John the Baptist, courageously lift up the questions. Are you the one who is coming? Are you the one? Are you here? I became a Protestant Christian by way of an invitation from my neighborhood best friend. I liked going to church with her. Her church had other kids my age, and people were nice and inclusive. They had dinner on Wednesday nights, and I soon grew into my own there, eventually driving myself on Sunday mornings and evenings and Wednesday nights. My parents didn't mind much, though my mom had a few concerns. You see, this church was a Baptist church in West Texas. <laughs> and my mom, rightfully so, had concerns and questions. And her advice to me when she saw that I was driving in deep and freely drinking the Kool-Aid, she said, don't let them brainwash you. Question everything. And my response, of course, Mom, I'm your daughter. Oftentimes, our faith institutions don't support us asking hard questions. Or we have real experiences of not being given permission to ask questions. Another story, my grandmother was asked not to bring my mom back to church, and particularly Sunday school, because she asked too many questions. And they were good questions, like, how did Jonah actually survive in the whale? But the Sunday school teacher didn't know how to respond, and so my mom's questions were shut down, along with her faith. Somehow, somewhere, society and our faith institutions have turned the practice of asking questions into a negative, as though it's a form of dissension or unpatriotic, as if to question is to immediately not have belief in. And sometimes we are too scared to ask questions because of how we may look. And we often lead with a caveat, 
this may be a dumb question, but but to question is to wrestle with. To question means you're paying attention. Questioning means learning and deepening our understanding and our faith. To question is to unlock a different story. So many in our society have reduced faith and particularly Christianity to a simple yes or no checklist. Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe he died to save you from your sins? Do you believe that the bread and the cup are the body of Christ? While such a list is easy to measure and track and even to abide by, it does nothing for our spiritual growth and nothing for God. One of the many reasons I love our denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, is because in our history, in our disciples' DNA, we are to use our God-given minds to question. It is why we have a history of establishing schools and universities and seminaries so people could learn to read and interpret and wrestle with the questions of faith for themselves. And as disciples, we are encouraged to respectfully dialogue. Because if there are no questions, then there is no dialogue. And if there is no dialogue, then there is no listening or learning or understanding or meaning or authenticity. Navigating questions connects our head and our heart, and it deepens our faith. I love John the Baptist's question, not because it is a doubt, but because he is authentic to himself and his faith. And when we are authentic to ourselves and our faith, Jesus shows up. Jesus speaks. In our text, in our story, John, Jesus doesn't condemn John the Baptist for asking a question for asking if he is the Messiah. Instead, Jesus gushes about John the Baptist like some high school crush. What then did you go out to see, Jesus asked, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, he is more than a prophet. This is the one with whom it is written, who will prepare a way for you. We don't always feel Christ showing up in our lives. We don't always see it. We all have stories of being thrown curveballs and wondering if God is there. Of asking, are you the one who is to come? But this strange Advent story reminds us that no matter the depth of our imprisonment, our angst-ridden questions get to God, and God is indeed fully present in our questions and in our doubts and our fears and in our sadness. 
And the best we can do is to be authentic to whatever questions we hold and whatever feelings arise, trusting that we will live into the answers. My little orchid plant here reminds me of such a process. I keep this orchid plant in my office, and I know that it does not look like much. (laughs) Orchids symbolize joy and love and grace. And with their slow-growing nature, they do hold a great deal of promise. Each time I get a new bloom on my orchid, I feel like a rock star because it means months of waiting, months of wondering, are you there? Months of me encouraging it along, come on little buddy. And even when you get a stem with the bud, there are still more weeks to wait until it blooms. With most orchids only blooming once, maybe twice a year, most of the time we might think that our orchid plant is dead. Like this one. But it's not. If I look closely, there are signs of life. There are new leaves. It is green. There's a new stem starting to poke through and reach toward the sky. There are signs of life. My orchid is in a time of in-between. And I know there is indeed something happening below the dirt. And I just need to trust the process. I trust that with time and care, It will bloom again with joy. We may find ourselves in times of in-between, of God's promises made and God's promises kept, disappointed by ourselves or the world or even God. Perhaps we find ourselves whispering a prayer as desperate as it is ancient and simple. O come, Lord Jesus, come. As we sit with our text and sit with our message today, I invite us to join our voices in singing the first three verses of Healer of Our Every Ill, found on page 506.
invite you to be seated. For those of you who might be joining us for the first time this Advent season, each week we have been engaging with um, our pyramid uh, in one aspect of worship. This morning we will engage during our prayers of the people. So during this time, you are invited to consider what joy you look forward to and maybe what sadness you are currently experiencing right now. In a few minutes, you will be invited to come forward and taking a marker right directly on this board. Don't feel like you have to write down here if your knees don't cooperate, okay? Anywhere on the board. If you are unable to uh, come up here for whatever reason, uh, Ms. Cheryl has stickers and a pen that she will hand out, and we will stick it right up here for you. Um, so with that, in a spirit of prayer, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Thank you. 
Good morning. Giving to 7th Street is important to Bill and to me. We are here in a warm, well-lit, inviting space. We enjoy beautiful music and dynamic pastoring and preaching. Our bills are paid here because people give to the church. In addition to a beautiful place of worship, 7th Street guides us to social justice issues. As a church, we support the Meals on Wheels, Fisher House, Axe, Global Missions, just to name a few. My son works around the globe for humanitarian issues. He tells me of children being sold because their families can't afford to feed them. Friends, in a world like ours, we have our work cut out for us. I have so much. That is why I give.
With these gifts, dear God, accept the praise and thanksgiving of our hearts, which rejoice in your goodness and love. Let these gifts point to your presence in the world and further your hope for the hope for the world through Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Please be seated. Everyone is always happy in Hallmark Christmas movies. And if they're not happy, it's for like three minutes. And then they work it out and the narrative arc toward happiness continues. We open cards in the mail and they wish us joy and hope and hearts that are merry and light and bright. Sometimes we find ourselves at Christmas parties where everyone but us appears to be smiling. But divorce and death and illness and chronic pain and loss and the other curveballs in our lives, they all still happen and they all still hurt on this journey of Advent as we slowly make our way toward Christmas. The good news, there is much good news this morning, and a piece of that good news is that this table, this table welcomes us, and it welcomes all of us. It, it welcomes our hope, but it also has room for our grief. It makes room for our sadness and our joy. And when we come to this table, even in this season when the world around us pushes us to be happy and joyful all of the time with light and tinsel and cards, here we can grieve and celebrate. Here we can be blissfully and gorgeously broken open as we are for who we are. And in our beautiful complexity in this bread and this cup, we are reminded that we are enough we are beloved, and that pain and sadness, like joy and celebration, are all a part of the Advent journey, the Christian journey, and the human journey. So let us partake. Please join us now in singing I Come With Joy, hymn 420, verses 1, 3, 4, and 5.
friends, as we gather, we remember that when the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this bread is like my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he poured it out and he blessed it and gave thanks for it and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for this, the bread of life. We give you thanks for your Son, the Christ, who came into this world to teach us how to live and to love and to care for each other, how to deal with life's curveballs, how to deal with keeping our eye on the ball and watching as it comes across the plate and knowing just when to swing. So be with us, O oh God, even without baseball season. Remind us, dear God, of that life throws all kinds of things at us, but you are with us through your Son, the Christ, to help us through everything we face. As you've been with us before, be with us now, because we need you, it seems, now more than ever before. Guide us, keep us, Remind us as we come to this table, we receive these elements which bind us together, the love that binds us together in Christ Jesus our Lord and his sacrifice on the cross. In his name we pray, now and always. Amen. Glorious Father, we gather here today to have your spirit poured into us as we worship this miraculous season. We bring with us hope peace, and anticipation for the future to be a bit brighter for us all. As we partake in the celebration of your Son, let us bring peace and joy to all of your kingdom. Let this cup bring us a new day to rejoice in your love. Put aside our burdens, worries, and struggles to make room in our hearts for you. In your Son's name we pray, amen.
pray. Oh God, we come today echoing John the Baptist's question to your beloved child. Are you the one who is to come? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the answers for ourselves and the work of justice and the practice of mercy and the good news for the poor and the vision of peace. Make us ready with open hearts and joyful spirits to follow in Christ's ways as we pray the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. unite our voices with our closing hymn, Awake, Awake, and greet the new morn. Stand if you are able.
friends, before I uh, share the benediction, please remember that if uh, you are a member, we have a, a short vote. Um, all the discussion has technically happened, so hopefully it's just a short vote. So I invite you to remain seated after the benediction. Um, let us go forth with eyes to see and ears to hear, hands to be and voices to proclaim, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. <laughs>